0: It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullinax and J.C. Sherbert.
1: So, how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with
0: some difficulty? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil.
2: The show, JC Sherbert, Phil Mullinax. Sorry, we're a little late getting in today. Uh, yeah. The magic of uh, computer updates uh, has hit the Mullenack's house, and so uh, Phil's got his phone. The we're magic of yeah. the magic <laughs> of iPhones uh, for today's uh, final show of Thanksgiving week, the Clemson mega preview, if you will, uh, inside the Gamecocks. The show, of course, sponsored by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. Uh, go see John Barber for all your express sunroom uh, or sunroom needs, uh, folks. Kind of like to plan things now for spring construction and things like that. He'll go cut you a good deal right there in the Columbia area. Uh, and they are the title sponsor of the show, and, and we're 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 edging that in to uh, to here. We we uh, we're getting the we're, we're workshopping it, and uh, <laughs> we're gonna. Uh, <laughs> We're going to get it, uh, all squared away soon, but express sunrooms of Columbia. Certainly thank them, uh, for everything they've done, uh, with the title sponsorship here on inside the Game Cox the show, no poll question today. Uh, just want to uh, hear your favorite Carolina Clemson memory. Um, I've got many of them, uh, a lot involved tailgating, <laughs> uh, more so than the games, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll walk through that and, and, and uh, talk about uh, the history of this great rivalry—one uh, of the best in all of sports. Um, heated, passionate—you name it. Uh, it's uh, it's it's on a national scale, probably not at the level of Alabama-Auburn, just because you don't get the matchups that series does a lot. Uh, but uh, it's um, it's right up there. And uh, everybody in the state of South Carolina, uh, everybody that's connected to either school understands how important this football game is Saturday. Uh, Shane Beamer met with the media yesterday, <laughs> seemed to be kind of heading down the right path with, hey, stop talking about Tennessee and the game. Uh, no more videos, Justin King and, and all that good stuff. And uh, certainly seemed, uh, seemed like, you know, people got to have to keep in mind, too. Uh, there's not a single first-time head coach out there that doesn't, you know, from year one to year two, want to do things differently. And then we can talk about it by offense and all that, and, and play calling and all that. We talked that to death. But there's other little things too. And, and Beamer said he didn't think they did a good job last year, coming off the win over Auburn, of getting refocused because that win over Auburn was huge because that that made the Gamecocks bowl eligible. Kind of, I don't know, poetic justice. With Mike Bobo on the other sideline, <laughs> um, for some people, you know, I like Mike Bobo, but uh, that's uh, that's a different matter. <laughs> so I think it was probably pretty sweet for uh, Beamer to to beat them, uh, and it was a huge win, comeback win. You know, Carolina doesn't, you know, it was the second straight win over Auburn. The Gamecocks had, but you know, prior to 2020, the Gamecocks hadn't beaten Auburn at all since they've been in the SEC. So any win over Auburn's huge. And then you got to turn back around and refocus. And that was sort of the point of one of my columns uh, yesterday was that, you know, th- this is kind of just how it is at the University of South Carolina. You have to get back up and refocus quick because, you know, it, it was kind of nice for the Gamecocks to get to play Charlotte and SC State back-to-back before hitting the road against Kentucky. That, that, that part of the schedule actually helped. But most of the time, you know, there's no rest for the weary uh, in the SEC. You can ask the University of Tennessee about that. Um, you know, and so I, I think that's just part of being a part of this program because you, you got to play the Southeastern Conference every year, and you got a rival that's uh in the midst of their best run in program history uh, that's in the ACC. Uh, and so you don't get a break. Uh, I sort of liked it to be honest, Phil. Uh, when the Gamecocks got to play so a little socon Saturday or Sunbelt Saturday, uh, before the Clemson game, you know, they'd play Citadel.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, yeah. Of course, of course. Last time they played Citadel, it didn't turn out so well. But uh, well, you know, it sure or,
1: beats the uh, you know it sure beats the Orange Crush that, that that they you know decided to bring back this year.
2: Yeah, you know? uh, yeah. let's bring back the Orange Crush. Yeah, yeah super yeah. great. Thanks, <laughs> thanks SEC. Yeah,
1: road's not bumpy enough. You know, hey. thanks. Yeah,
2: I, I think I think actually next year it's Kentucky that Carolina plays yeah. the week before mm-hmm. Clemson. Uh, they come in. The Wildcats make a late November trip. Uh, to Columbia. Oh, that'll be fun. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> so anyway, that's uh, that's uh neither here nor there, but I, I sort of like that uh, and really for both schools. I mean, Clemson started to have, I mean, they had to play Miami the week before and, and you know, of course, that looked like an extremely difficult game or a big game. Uh, some said at the beginning of the year, it's a, a preview two weeks before the ACC championship game. Certainly that's not happening. The U is in the tank. Bad. Um, and it's not to it's not to diminish Clemson's win last week because I didn't think they played well and looked good, at least for you know, most of the game. But uh let's be honest. Uh you're talking about a Miami team that got smoked at home by Duke that got beat, wasn't even competitive against Florida State. Nope. Uh lost to middle Tennessee at home and gave up 45 points doing it. Um, <laughs> you know, this is not your dad's you. <laughs> um you know, I noticed Louisville, though, was ranked in the uh, college football playoff poll last night, 25th. I, uh, I Honestly, again, and this is not a predictor of what's going to happen Saturday, has nothing to do with Clemson. Clemson has to play the schedule that they play, right? It's not their fault, uh, and they've won all but one game. Uh, so you, you just got to give them credit for that. But, man, the I think some of these ACC teams, like NC State, you know, Louisville gets a ton of, of credit to, for beating NC State uh, and, and beating Syracuse and and a lot, of, a lot of teams that are ranked, but that I don't think could hang in the Southeastern Conference. I mean, I you know th- those teams would not be ranked if they were in the SEC. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I, I was, I was surprising Louisville sitting there at seven and four. They play Kentucky this weekend, uh, ranked in the College Football Playoff bowl. So, um, you know, I don't think the Gamecocks were kind of in the picture for that just because, you know, you look at three of the four losses and they're to, to 500 teams uh, yeah. right now. You know, Arkansas, I think, what, six and five. Missouri's five and six. Florida six and five. So, you know, I think those bad losses probably. And, and then you kind of look at the, even Kentucky is sitting there at six and five and A&M, of course, is just like Miami. They're in the tank. <laughs> They're done. Eight yeah. loss, Jim. Eight lo, It's going to be eight loss, Jimbo, after this weekend. Yeah. Um, Nana Sports chat box. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. Again, let's hear your favorite Clemson, Carolina memory. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those of you that have come through with the thanks uh, on the uh, um, the thanks on uh, the, the thanks contest, I guess. Uh, we've got those locked and loaded, uh, by the way, guest today, Chris Phillips coming on high energy here in about 20 minutes. Uh, and I'll be on the Spurs up show later. Uh, probably will not do a prediction for this game. I'm going to I, I usually take one off every year because I don't like doing predictions anyway. And because I, I, football games are decided by scenarios. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's always like a scenario where this could happen, that could happen. I know it sounds lame. Because you're not really, you know, oh, that's that's lame. It's a it's it's a terrible way to, to it's a cop out.
1: No, it's uh, the truth, though. I mean, you know, yeah. you can see any game going any number of ways, but uh, I mean, I, I like that. I, I would rather withhold judgment or, you know, withhold prediction on this game anyway because I, there's too many variables. We, we well, can I didn't, yeah, I, I um,
2: didn't, I, did, I didn't say you could. You were gonna make a prediction. So I
3: don't that. know. I, <laughs> I,
1: I've been struggling, man, trying to figure out, you know, which offense is gonna show up, how porous the defense is gonna be. I don't know, man. I'm sweating it. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Steve Spurrier, of course, uh, talked to the Charleston Post Courier after the game. He's said like, it was impressive, and those receivers caught everything. And the O line gave him time. Yeah, I almost felt sorry for Tennessee. They're not going to win the division. They're not going to win the SEC. They're not going to get in that Final Four. They're just going to have a little bit better than average year. Now, someone told me Tennessee's probably headed for the Citrus Bowl. Now, I guess that's kind of a mean thing to say. <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh,
2: well, she, I just retweeted that from the uh, <laughs> the account the, the Twitter account here uh, All right, Aaron's in the chat box early Cam's like let's go Marion's like happy Thanksgiving Eve J-Rock's happy Thanksgiving Eve beat Clemson uh, go Gamecocks beat the Putty Cats James comes in with his best memory mm-hmm. 2012 in Clemson when the word got out that Shaw was hurt and not playing and the Clemson people all thought they had us and Thompson and team destroyed them I'll tell you a story about that game Um, just gotten kind of like divorced, I guess, just to kind of lay out the scene as to why the hell I was in Las Vegas for a week over Thanksgiving by myself. And so I go out there and, um, of all people, uh, I I texted a coach that used to be on the staff and that's, uh. Let's just say he's back now. <laughs> uh, and they had had a rivalry game. And, uh, you know, I told, you know, kind of passed the word along, Connor wasn't playing. He's like, well, you know, Clemson's probably going to win by two, three touchdowns. They get too much offense. And, you know, I think the last time we had seen Dylan Thompson was in that Vanderbilt game uh, at the beginning of the year. And he looked like the backup quarterback from the movie Necessary Roughness with the glasses <laughs> yeah. that just kind of, when Scott Bakula got hurt, uh, and he's falling down and stuff. I mean, it was just like, oh man, Connor Shaw better not. Yeah, he better stay healthy. But Dylan, Dylan comes in and lights them up. And Clowney, just at the end of the game, just, I mean, they, they had, I think he, uh, Brandon Thomas was their offensive left tackle. I think Clowney just abused him that night. Um, Taj Boy couldn't get it off. Clemson played pretty, pretty good and, and had their chances. Uh, I'll never forget the quarterback draw that Spurrier called with Thompson <laughs> for the yeah. first down. Because, uh, you know, hey, look, Carolina fans have seen that with Charlie Whitehurst just like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, seven, eight years before. How, how many are, you know, back, I think, oh, How many times Charlie Whitehurst dropped back, Carolina looks like they have him sacked. He's, he breaks out of there somehow and sprints for 18 yards on a fourth and 17, something like that, when, when Whitehurst was playing for them. And here comes Dylan Thompson doing the same thing. Uh, And then once Carolina went up 10, the the life went out of Clemson sidelines and uh, they won. But I was in Las Vegas and enjoyed that. I was sitting at uh, what's now what used to be the Hilton. It's now something else, but big sports book there. Um, uh, Connor said, all right, so Connor's got clarification on the ticket situation. Ah. Um, He says, talk to a friend of mine who works in the ticket office about the Clemson ticket allotment. We sold the original allotment, requested more. And then some of the extra went back. Okay, all right. So that's <laughs> that's uh, that 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 makes sense. You know, that makes total sense. Um, Aaron said this could be my first favorite memory of the big game. I became a fan when I met my wife in 2014. I'm from North Carolina, but she turned me into a Cox fan quick. Beautiful. That's kind of yeah. like me and the white me and the White Sox, um, or the Bears, the Bears. You know, because like the Falcons were my team growing up and I, I, and I, so it was weird watching the bears play the Falcons Sunday, but I wasn't pulling for the Falcons. I just instinctively pulled for the bears. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I've signed up for misery and pain and suffering. <laughs> so, so, Aaron, why in the hell would you do this to yourself?
1: This is, yeah, it is interesting. Why would you choose it?
2: <laughs> we would, none of us chose this life. Okay. None of us chose this. None of us chose this. It is. I kind of inherited it because my dad was a fan. Uh, but Aaron, I understand. Welcome to the family. <laughs> Welcome to years of uh, misery on most weekends, followed by moments of euphoria like you went through last week. So, yeah. uh, But since 14, yeah, maybe you're bad luck, too, because 14 uh, is when they snap the, the win streak. I don't know, man.
1: Maybe. Uh,
2: I don't know. And 14 was the worst year to become a GameCop fan, too, because that's when it started slipping away. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're getting on Un- the dip.
1: It's no, well, unex- a good time unex- to
2: buy a stock, though. Yeah, it's a good time to <laughs> buy a stock. Uh, Josh, and by the way, I want to give a shout-out to Cameron, Josh's son, uh, who's at home uh, with the flu. Uh, feel oh. better, buddy. It yeah, sucks man. being over Thanksgiving and, and the holidays. Sucks being sick. But uh, hope you feel better, buddy. I know he listens to the podcast and the show. Uh, whenever he can, he's a big fan as well. Shout out to, to Josh's son, Cameron. Just wanted to pass that along. Uh, but Josh says the 87 games, his favorite Rodney Rodney was only eight, but vividly remember. Yeah, I was 87. I was about to turn 11 that year. Uh, in the day after Christmas in 87. So I was 10 years old and I remember watching it. We had one of those big screen TVs up, up upstairs in our house where you you kind of opened it up and it projected, yeah, you the know, and, projector
3: that, TV. Yeah. Yeah. And,
2: TV. and that yeah, and that game was on ESPN, so it was one of the few times you got to watch back then because we used to like uh, we had an intercom too. You know, don't ask me what my mom and dad were doing for a living at that time because I, I don't even know. But uh, <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> I sound like a rich man, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, you know. But uh, we had an intercom. We put Bob Fulton on and listened to the game. Uh, most of the time, or if we didn't go, but uh, that was on TV. And uh, boy, Brad Edwards with the pick six at the end—it was the night of Black Death. Clemson, both teams were in the top ten. I mean, that was a, a heck of a deal there—a heck of a deal. Cam says, "What does the he's got? A, he's got a joke. What does the Clemson football team and cheerleading squad have in common? And they both suck for fourth four quarters." <laughs> Okay, all right. Let's, let's keep it PG thirteen, people.
1: Yeah, yeah, but that's uh that we got away with that one. But- <laughs> yeah, Ch-
2: Churchill says Louisville lost to BC and Syracuse. Yeah, and, and yeah, Syracuse started pretty well. And I mean they're okay. Uh, I guess they beat Syracuse way. You know, Syracuse beat them way at the beginning. Uh, I guess they're giving a lot of. Credence to the wins over UCF and Wake and NC State. Did they beat Wake? I think they beat
1: Wake. I think they did beat Wake. What's yeah. the thing about Louisville is, you know, both the school and the coach want to go. And then. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, they're like, they hate each other. It's like yeah. a marriage of convenience, you know. <laughs> Shotgun wedding. They're
1: for the kids up there. <laughs> <There's>
2: still... <laughs> You gotta stay together for the kids. Craiger's uh, nightmares, not stopping Shipley and not being able to block their D line—that was what happened last year. Definitely I mean, yeah. that sums up the game in a nutshell, you know. And look, it's going to be a challenge for South Carolina's offensive line. Don't get me wrong, uh, but they're capable of competing. I think, yeah. Um, hopefully, you know. Uh, I'll also point out that most of the time, the team with the best defensive line wins this game. <laughs> so, you know, hopefully, Carolina's D line shows up Saturday. Uh, Bluff Road says 2012 Clowney Sack Fest. Luke says 2010, Clemson Garcia to Jeff at Clemson Garcia to Jeffrey touchdown. I was at that game that was a good one uh, with my, my ex in laws, and uh, I remember my, my, my ex father in law walked up to you know, he was kind of uh, you know, he's kind of reserved guy, Tom, you know, great guy. Uh, And he looked at me about mid-third quarter. He's like, we're ripping their ass, man. We're ripping their ass. (laughs) Old Tom, man. He he, uh, he, 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 is saying anything like that was out of character. He just kind of grinned, you know. We're ripping their ass, man. We're ripping their ass. Uh, Best memories, first Carolina Clemson game, 09, when they started the streak. Uh, Almost as 2015, uh, Zach says this, uh, took down number one with a 3-9 team, what could have been. Uh, Yeah, I was at both of those, both noon kickoffs, by the way. Um, Just sitting there, you know, Spiller, uh, he had to re-kick the opening kick, and they are re-kicked it to Spiller, and he returns it for a touchdown. Uh, And then Carolina just dominates Spurrier, puts in Gilmore, the Gilmore package, and that started the streak. 2015, I had to leave. Uh, I was dating a Clemson fan at the time. Uh, we didn't have very good seats. We we went to the gourmet gents tailgate though. That was epic. Um, and so we, I I, mean, I was like, I can't I can't sit here and watch. It was twenty one to three, and I was like, I can't sit here and watch this. I was like, I'm gonna say something to you. i um, that's not nice.
1: Uh, and so
2: it is uh, and, and her her voice by the way is on the show's opener. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, we're still friends, right? Uh, But uh, I said, we got to go. And so we went to the pizza man on Rosewood. We took an Uber to the pizza man on Rosewood to kind of, and we watched the rest and we watched this amazing comeback. And if it weren't for a bad call, who knows what would have happened in that ball game. Mm -hmm. Clemson number one. And that that was really the last competitive football game. Uh, Daddy S is 94 freshman year at Carolina, beat him up there and grabbed some orange Paul grass after the game. I was at that game as well. Also with one of my buddies that's a Clemson fan who loves to rub my nose. And this dude actually, this dude actually, after last year's game, sent a long text just talking smack. Uh, like, like, like it was just, I hadn't even talked to him, right? Uh, and, and he's just like his long text. And you carry a bunch of losers and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, dude. I didn't talk any smack before this game at all. You're like my one Clemson friend. I was like, stop, you know? Uh, uh, M.A. there says, uh, Jungle Boy laying out Ellington in the draw on the personal foul. Yeah, that was 2012. That that game had a lot of highlights. Taylor says, Happy Thanksgiving, beat the Tigers. Uh, (laughs) uh, McLean says, Does Clowney still own the single-game sack record up there? I think by an opponent, that's probably true. Um, Brian says, I've been a South Carolina fan for about 15 years, but hardcore for about seven. And in that time, we've beaten close to zero times, so I really don't have a favorite moment. Another newcomer. Very interesting. You've signed up for misery and pain. Misery. <laughs> uh, JC, if you make drop your nuts shirts, I'm sure you'd sell the hell out of them. Yeah, I, I think somebody's going to beat me to that, probably. Maybe Chris, <laughs> which is fine, because Chris Chris has got the gear, man. He's got a good instinct uh, for putting those out. But, man, and I don't know either, like, with, with Cam Smith's NIL deal, with, you know, if that would – you know, if I did that, would that maybe interfere? Would there be some kind of league? I, I probably not, but you know, with with, with what I do, you know, it, it's you, I've got to be careful about swiping things. You know, not swiping, but you know, just kind of having that kind of liberty, uh, just because I got this, the collective and the website. You know, uh, you know, so that's uh, I kind of better be careful. Uh, Nat says, "Welcome to the dark side. Go Bears! Beef and sausage combo." Nat. <laughs> That's my fiance, by the way. Uh, Grover says Mike Holt giving the game ball to the fridge at the end of 84. That was an epic moment, too. David, 56... This was an interesting game. 56-20 to 20, 1975. I was a senior at Carolina. Should have been 63, but offensive PI neglected the last touchdown. Um, Yeah. I mean, that uh, that was an epic game because apparently... That caused a lot of angst and consternation up in Tigertown uh and all that good stuff. So that's uh that's probably it. J Rock yeah. says uh 2012 DJs hit on Ellington. Uh number two, uh OG Mike Davis's second touchdown run in 06. Yeah, I was I was up there. I'm gonna tell tell you guys a secret, a secret story. Since we're telling stories. Uh that Clemson Carolina game, I actually scored a ticket. In a box with a pretty big-time Clemson booster, who I would guess has passed away by now because he's battling cancer. Uh, kind of an inspirational story and a great guy. Uh, he'd survived for a long time with the disease. Uh, so, so, uh, so, okay. So I'm up there, and I worked for Rivals.com at the time, covering you know uh, national recruiting and southeastern recruiting. So there were a lot of Clemson fans, you know, I had to interact with with my job. Uh, And so, you know, I I didn't really want to go in. And and so my buddy that got me the ticket told them my name was something else. Like Steve. (laughs) This is Steve. This is Steve. And and, and see, you know, on the Internet back then, nobody really knew what I looked like. Right. You know, so Mm -hmm. back then they didn't have video streams and stuff like that. So I sat up there like Steve very quietly Uh, And then when he missed the field goal, another Carolina fan happened to be in the box, and we politely clapped and left. (laughs) And I I saw saw Lindsey Graham uh, walking into the dang uh, stadium Uh, because my my buddy came with us, but he sat someplace else. So uh, I I saw Lindsey Graham, uh, and he said, go Cox. So I don't know. I don't know. I always thought, I always Lindsey was a Clemson fan because he's from over that way. But anyway, um, yeah, Didn't yeah. Say so much yeah. about that back in the <laughs> day. Yeah. Um, you know, AJM two. Come on, lumped in with whatever. Uh, you know, it's 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 two different things. Uh, AJM. Uh, Rob says I've been a Gamecock since nineteen ninety three. I was in ninth grade, started looking at college, fell in love with South Carolina. It also helped going to school and playing football with Brian Scott in Darlington. Huh. Brian mm. is my favorite game cop. Sorry I'm biased. And it's a touch. I remember Rod, my, Rod uh, what's his name? Um, uh, ah, he used to call the all the primetime games on ESPN. Uh, in Athens, one And it's a touchdown. And that is Brian Scott. Uh, remember Brian caught that winning touchdown? Uh, on a play that I thought was going to be picked. From Petty to Brian Scott, Scott leaps up and catches it. Gamecocks win in Athens 14-9 in 2001. Um, uh, Seth says, wait, I didn't realize it was a favorite Clubs of Carolina memory. Mine would be uh swear just hit on Ellington. It could be a memory. Uh, I put on Twitter the year of the game. You know, it could mm-hmm. be whatever. We got a lot of stories. We got – we tell stories around here.
1: We tell stories. Like, uh,
2: that's a that's a Jim Jeffries comedy bit. He said he ran into Warren Beatty and Al Pacino at a party, a birthday party, and Al Pacino was hammered and was like, "So you tell stories, do you? Why? Well, we're actors, right? Ah, Al Pacino. Uh, the Pacino De Niro debate. By the way, uh, the more I think about it, a good friend of mine like chastised me one day about it and he was right he was like there's no comparison between the two if you think about like the at the the breadth of acting over the years i love both right oh, yeah. al, al pacino is a little bit of an over actor while while de niro kind of he may play the same guy maybe not you know
1: mm-hmm. um
2: you talking to me you're talking to me <laughs> uh and by the way, Robert De Niro as young Vito Corleone in Godfather 2. I mean, I don't think Pacino, as Michael, ever rose to that level of acting. But that's a summertime deal. Um, 76 Gamecock says, JC and I are about the same age and been to all the games. I'm assuming 76 is your birth year, which is mine. <laughs> so, yeah, I got a birthday coming up, day after Christmas. Um uh, JC living my dream. I'm, I'm living my dream life through. Uh, I lived through JC vicariously. Sorry, I, I misread that. I uh, screwed that reading up. But uh, yeah, don't live through me vicariously, please. <laughs> you, you won't like it, you know, because apparently now that I'm a Bears fan, I've signed up for more misery and pain. So so who switches from the Falcons to the Bears? Nobody. I mean, the Falcons are the Falcons are horrible as it is most years, but the Bears are just, I don't know. You know, Bears have a more passionate fan base, I guess. Um, Jad Dean missed the field goal. I went to school with his sister. Poor girl. Got so much crap that week, Xavier says. Yeah, Jad was from Greenwood, wasn't he? That's the Gamecock stronghold of Greenwood, South Carolina. So, yeah, these memories are great. Uh, I'm going to switch gears and talk to uh, – Chris Phillips here on the other side of this break. Uh, And we're going to start kind of breaking the game down. Uh, And then we've got uh, more chat box coming up. And then second hour, we're going to have Flint and Bradford in here. So uh, very happy, uh, happy day today. And we'll continue to interact with the memories uh, and all that. And by the way, Jeff Fowler says, have a great Thanksgiving holiday. Go Cox and Semper Fi. And before we sign off, Phil, what do we say to that?
1: Thank you for your service. Amen. All right,
2: Chris Phillips on the other side here on Inside the, the Gamecocks. The show. We'll be back after these messages.
0: Today, Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
2: If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Sear Foss of Caldwell, Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina. Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are, Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a diehard Gamecock fan has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864 414 5271, or email csearfoss at cbkane.com. C B C A I N E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Game Cox podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864 414 5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane.
0: Gamecocks.
5: Attention, golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former
2: Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington, half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So, contact her on Twitter at Mer Taylor, at M E R T A Y L O R, or go to mckellarenterprises.org. Mckellar spelled M C K E L L A R, enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Uh, this is Coach O. Now, back to the show. Gold Tigers in the Salt. Uh-oh. <laughs>
1: Welcome back to the show, everybody. Inside the Gamecocks, the show is presented to you by Express Sunrooms in Columbia. Give John Barber a call, and he'll take care of you. And this first hour of the show is brought to you, of course, by the uh, Coldwell Banker Kane Realty team, Cindy Searfoss, here, up here in the upstate. Give Cindy a call for your upstate residential real estate needs, 864-414-5271. And we're joined now on the McKeller Enterprises guest line by Chris Phillips a day early, because we're uh, an abbreviated week. Here you got big Thanksgiving plans, Chris?
4: Uh yeah, going to spend it with friends, family, the the whole deal. Um it's, it, it, you know, the holidays obviously get interesting when uh, my sister obviously just got married, so now you're incorporating another family, so you're kind of going all over the place, but uh Nah, man, excited. You know Thanksgiving that the Thanksgiving week. I know it's a special time for everyone, and and also want to keep those in mind. I know it's a tough week for some, but it was always fun for for us growing up. You know, I, I'd go hang out with my buddies and watch football. We watch we'd watch college football on Friday, and then obviously rivalry week and all that stuff. But uh, I was really just getting a laugh out of the uh, out of JC's Coach O person. That was pretty good. That was uh, <laughs> that's, I
5: mean, that's
4: got to be kind of rolling. I mean, <laughs> uh, um, also, also, uh,
2: whatever. Just uh, I'll say this, uh, Chris. I'm. Poor. Old is one of the best Coach O impersonations yeah. uh, that exists. And so we have, we have we yeah. have Coach O's endless summer around here. You know, yeah, the, I love that. Best of <laughs> four. I, okay. I was gonna
4: t- I was gonna tell you guys too, man. Saturday at the uh, at the tailgate, I had somebody come up to me and say that they're like, uh, like, yeah, we we watch uh, inside the Gamecocks all the time. We love the high energy segments. I, I just thought that was cool, man. That was, uh, yeah, dude. Crazy. Yeah, oh,
2: yeah, we mm-hmm. love it. That's what that's mm-hmm. what it's all about here. All right, so this game this weekend. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I'm kind of excited to see what happens. Uh, I got I got a lot of curiosity about it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a game South Carolina can win. I think it's a game South Carolina should compete in. Um, but there's a lot to that has to happen. Uh, I think you know starts with stopping Clemson's run game. You know Will Shipley obviously gets the attention, but I, I think Phil motha is running really well for them. Mm-hmm. Their offensive line is, is from a like a talent uh, recruiting. Uh, ranking standpoint, it's probably if you just look, at it, they have more like four and five star guys up front mm-hmm. than they normally do, and then of course Jordan McFadden's a really good in-state player for them. Uh, Beering Pool, the tight end, uh, had a little threw a little shade at Carolina the other day, but he's a good player. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this this is kind of a a tricky matchup, uh, I, mm-hmm. I think, because they they kind of they're kind of like Arkansas on offense in some ways because uh, yeah. the size of the quarterback and then. You know, defensively, they're pretty good. I mean, probably Mm -hmm. the best defense, since, obviously, since Missouri, but, uh, you know, maybe since Georgia. So, um, you know, uh, what say you about uh, this game?
4: Yeah, I mean, I I think definitely, JC, it's a winnable game. I I expect the game to be, you know, the closest matchup we've seen in recent memory, right? I mean, too many of these games have just been flat-out blowouts. I I think we posted the stats since 2008 – There's only been one South Carolina-Clemson game decided by less than double digits, and it was 2015 when Carolina lost by five, but they scored with, like, you guys remember, like 20 seconds left, right? Yeah. To make that a five-point game. So, I mean, really, that was a double-digit loss, too. For whatever reason, when Carolina was winning five in a row, they were all kind of blowouts, and Clemson obviously has just had their way with Carolina. So, yeah, I mean, I I look at Clemson, I I kind of view them really similarly to last year, where, I mean, this game, to me, is going to come down to line of scrimmage and running the ball and stopping the run and... And, uh, you know, you, you look at last year, you held DJ Uyunga Lele in check, but Will Shipley, man, he just crushed you, he killed you. And uh, they were able to kind of grind you out and grind you out. And, you know, I, I think the question, guys, for most South Carolina fans or for me as well is, I'm just more so concerned, like, which Gamecocks team shows up. You know what I mean? Because obviously we sit here on this Wednesday, JC, all of us. Uh, you know, I ate crow. I'm sure we've all been eating crow this week, but nobody expected what happened on Saturday to happen. And so you're like, where has this offense been? And so now – Obviously, the task is much greater with that Clemson defense. I mean, they're a lead up front. They got great linebacker play. They've got they've been a bit susceptible in the secondary. But like you mentioned, I think it's the best defense you probably t- faced since Georgia. So uh, they've got real NFL talent on the defensive side. But I mean, I just look at what is South Carolina going to do? It's almost more to me. I know Clemson's good defensively, but what is Carolina going to do? Are they going to take and adapt or, or you know adopt this uh, this same mentality? This this drop-you-nuts mentality they had in Tennessee and bring it into the rivalry game? Do we see them revert back to kind of the the conservative, just sort of feel our way out through it and, you know, go back to their old ways, uh, you know, offensively? So that, that's my question for Carolina, and it's interesting, guys. I feel like, and at least for me, I've got a quiet confidence in the game. I'm not sitting here telling you I'm going to be picking Carolina to win. I don't know what I'm picking, but I do think it's a toss-up. i felt confident in this game since the summer but, uh, you know, Gamecock fans, I think JC and Phil are on the edge of their seat because normally, and it's a trend of late, right? And the numbers actually back it up. You know, you hear people all the time say, oh, man, well, Carolina, we just, we play really well and then we followed up with a bad performance. And you might think that's just some sort of narrative. How about this? There's actually statistics to it. South Carolina following and against the spread win, right? Which is obviously what they did against Tennessee. Following and against the spread win hmm. is one, nine, and one in their last 11 games. So Carolina and their last 11 following a great performance has followed it up with a not-so-great performance. So can they put back-to-back good games together? And, of course, none of us are saying they're going to go score 63, but put together an offensive performance that, uh, you know, is, is, is good enough to go out and potentially win this football game. I and mean, there's, there's a lot to play for. Obviously, the rivalry game, there should be a chip on the shoulder for, their football, for this football team after getting shut out just last year. But, uh, you know, I think if you can slow down Clemson's run – Make DJ beat you. I can't wait to watch the matchup with Antonio Williams. Obviously, that was a very uh, heated recruiting battle, if you will, or heated recruitment, Uh, him choosing Clemson. And then, you know, can South kind of get it going offensively? Going to be a fun one. I I do expect a close back-and-forth game on Saturday. South Carolina-Clemson kickoff noon Eastern. ABC,
2: uh, I think the Gamecocks, last time they were on ABC, was the Independence Bowl uh, in 2014. Yeah. Uh, I know in 2013, the UCF game down there was on ABC as well. Uh, last Clemson Carolina game on ABC was the push off game, uh, or if you're a Clemson fan, it's one of the catch games. But, uh, well, uh, trust me, push off game. I was in the upper deck at Death Valley for. Or, I'm sorry, we don't call it that here. Memorial Stadium.
1: I've been uh, calling it Memorial that. Stadium all week, and people <laughs> yeah. are getting so upset. I'm like, uh, no, yeah. that's not what's on the side It says Memorial no. Stadium. Yeah, that's it. Exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah it, it says Memorial Stadium on the outside, man. Where the rock is. Just, so. just call it as I see it. That's all. I know. Memorial mm-hmm. Stadium. But uh, mm-hmm. all right, so. So, so just going off your comments, I, I think you're probably in the in the category of just keep doing what you're doing on offense and attack. Uh, make them defend the whole field, that kind of thing. I think that's Carolina's best uh, uh, best chance. Best chance, because I, I, like, look, if you put up an offensive showing like that. Like, let's say you're Oklahoma or one of these teams, TCU. Name the team that's uh, got a you know powerful offense that goes out and outscores another team like that. I don't think you. I don't think you. You know, put all the put the horses back in the stable. I, I think you just you keep running that, and and, and you know, Clemson's got to stop it. I, I don't. I don't think there's any kind of like uh, game plan you can go back to, yeah. other than what you did last week, uh, and for it to be a successful game.
4: Literally copy and paste whatever you did, whatever <laughs> yeah. you found, whether it was sack calling plays. Kitchens calling plays, step calling plays, whether it was JC or Phil calling plays, whatever you did, just do exactly and more so though, I, I I will say this on a serious note, guys. I I just I want to see that attacking like this game Saturday obviously is massively important. It's it's important for so many people, but you're playing with house money here. Like the way that you played with nothing to lose against Tennessee, do the same. Be the aggressor, put Clemson on their heels, right? dictate the game yourself same thing I'd love to see it guys if you're on that first drive hey I I, I was I labeled myself the I, I think I can say this on this show the slap dick of the weekend I found I couldn't say that on radio for some reason but uh I labeled myself that because I I was imploring I thought South Carolina should have kicked the field goal in that first drive I was like you know what you just got shut out offensively don't come up empty hand on this drive kick the field goal get some points they were the aggressor went for it got it the rest is history, right? I think taking that same mentality, I can live going down swinging. I, I can I can I can live being aggressive and, and making mistakes in that manner. I, I can't live with reverting back to the conservative and, and being scared to make the mistake. And, you know, now I, I loved what Steven Garcia said on our show Monday, guys. Now you've set the standard. I know Clemson's a better defense. They absolutely are. But you've set the standard. You've shown what you are capable of. You can't say you don't have personnel. You can't say you don't have the playmakers. You can't say Spencer Rattler's not a good quarterback. That's all been proven false, right? Like, so go out, play. You have nothing to lose. Let them hang, as Cam Smith said, and just see what happens, man. Go play your game and let's see what happens. But uh, I, I do agree with you, man. Being on the attack on Saturday afternoon, I think that's the best case scenario, the best the best way to go about this thing and best chance of victory. You know, South Carolina on the
2: offensive line, they have a lot of, older players uh, that have been through a lot of these games and a lot of highs and lows. I actually thought when they went up in 2018, the Gamecock offensive line, and I think Dylan Wanham was on that line, actually held their own, I thought, uh, against a Clemson front that was elite uh, at the time. And uh, the Gamecocks put up points and yards in that one. Uh, But uh, I think it's important to not only to to get the protection they had last week, but to – to make sure that you set Rattler up from a play standpoint, play call standpoint, uh, at least early to get the ball out quick. I, I thought Carolina in uh, <clears throat> on early downs did a really good job of that against Tennessee, uh, and you know coming in they were probably one of the worst first down teams in the country, uh, but they did a really good job of uh, of getting that, uh, getting him kind of comfortable on early downs, and then moving forward. I'll also say this: uh, they did a good job of converting some third and longs too. You yeah. know, so how uh, about that third and, 20? That
4: third and twenty? That normally happens to us. That yeah. normally happens yeah, right. to us. <laughs> dude, we got that. I was like, this is this is it. And, and by the way, Juice Wells on that play, a phenomenal. And he Rattler's getting all the praise, but Juice Wells, Juice Wells was the Alshon Jeffrey of that game. You know what yeah. I mean? Like just making every play. Dude. That that was incredible.
2: Yeah, I've been screaming for him to get the ball more this year. Dude, the yeah, whole year, yeah. I'm, I'm sure
4: you. Were, I'm sure you were just like, finally, finally, finally. they got it
2: to. <laughs> hey, you get into juice, and people are all concerned about juice, and then that kind of helps Van and Brooks and Brown and Bell and all these other guys get you know get open and make I, plays. Yeah, I,
4: I was going to say I I just loved seeing them give these wide receivers some one on one opportunities to make plays. Like, yeah. like I, I loved that. Like you do have capable wide receivers. Like just throw it up every now and then. Like give them a chance. The receiver's in a better position to make the play than the DB. He knows yeah. where the ball's going. He, he you know what I mean. He's looking back. So. I, I love seeing that, and more often than not, it's it's going to work out for you. So I say, hey, you get one on one coverage, give him a shot, man. Let, let's yeah. let's do it. Why not? So.
2: And Rattler did a great job of putting a lot of those balls like right where only the receiver could catch it. And, oh, dude, yeah, uh, yeah. There were there were some throws he made that not many quarterbacks could make uh, oh. the other night, uh, and that's you know, hey, people people want to know you know why Clemson won so big when they had Trevor Lawrence because Trevor Lawrence could make throws nobody else could. Yeah, how, how many times are you sitting there watching mm-hmm. a Clemson game? when he was there they're like third and 16 and he just drops back and chunks it down the field and you're like my god that was a beautiful throw and then yeah. it's, and the six, their four receiver goes up and catches it and it's yeah. you know Carolina's kind of got that that's that sort players of players
4: make plays boys players yeah. make plays and yeah that that that, that game by Rattler was, but, but to, to your point then again jc like you saw a team playing free playing fast i didn't see hey i didn't see a whole lot of the 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 check with me for fifteen seconds, and let's Mm-mm. let's all think before the play. A lot, dude. It was get it and go, and it's and it's funny because, you know, Coach Beamer. You know, I, I know. Hey, give give Satterfield credit, right? No matter what you think, he's the offensive coordinator. He deserves the the credit, right? If, if he's going to get criticism, let's give credit as well. But I mean, I thought Shane Beamer sort of told on himself, and when he said that was the simplest offensive game plan we had of the season, it's like. Just let them go play. Forget yeah. all the, you know, all the, the check with me nonsense. Like, let's just go play ball. Well, and then
2: the, the running, the personnel packages in and out. They they basically scaled that back. And you know, Chris, I've been saying all year, South Carolina's blessed with versatile players, mm-hmm. uh, so you can run different formations and do use motion and uh, with the same personnel packages. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to sub. It Spencer Rattler even said it. We didn't substitute as much. Hey, well, good. You know, because that 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 was to me uh, Kentucky when I saw it live. I mean, I, it just dawned on me because live, it's like it's like totally obvious. In, in the first half against Kentucky, I was like, this is like watching paint dry. I mean, there's guys running in and out. You can just see the Kentucky coaches going, hey, you know, because uh, you, you don't allow. You know the, the 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 defense to audible and adjust. Mm-hmm. Wes Godwin, Clemson's defensive coordinator, is a Brent Venables guy. Mm-hmm. You know that's what he wants to do. He wants to take you deep into the play clock and then change his defense at the last minute and confuse you. Um, mm-hmm. You know it's not to that extent like mm-hmm. Brent did, but uh, it's still kind of their philosophy. So I think getting it and going uh, helps 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 them not be able to do that yeah. uh, in this football game.
4: Yeah, I, I I would ask you guys this. Do you feel like if Lloyd and Beal Smith return, does it change anything with the offensive game plan? Do they, you know what I mean? Like, I almost feel like not having Lloyd is kind of forced their hand to switch things up a little bit. I, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously you want him back. I want him back. We all want him back. But I, I just, uh, you know, his availability, I think their availability is definitely going to go a long way in determining this football game as well. Because, I mean, again, before – for Saturday, I mean, really, the only offense you would have had all year was with Marshawn Lloyd on this football team. So, um, you know, you hope he can go. But I, I was, I was about to, like, that was my
2: next question for you. And I, what, what I think is this: I think, okay, Lloyd hadn't played in a month, right? Yep, he's Didn't been nursing an injury. Yeah. How, all right, so you know, football players have to be in shape to play. And, and, and in a month, you can, you know, even though you're rehabbing and stuff, you can kind of get out of game shape. Oh, yeah. So, so my question is, even if he goes. How much you're going to get out of him? Uh, I think Beal Smith probably in a sh- in short yardage situations. Uh, I-, I would probably limit him to that. Uh, he and Jaheim Bell, uh, and I would still run. I mean, I- I'd probably platoon. I'd let Lloyd go, you know, until he kind of looks a step slow, and then probably uh, use Bell back there. And I wouldn't change anything. Uh, yeah, the only yeah, thing I, I would. Yeah. You know, because like, look, you're you you're running Jaheim Bell uh, at, at running back anyway. Jaheim's a good receiver. Well, so is Marshawn Lloyd. He's got 17 yeah. catches on the year. You could do the same things with him. Um, so, but I, yeah, I got a, I got a text from a friend, and they were like, "Well, if Lloyd comes back, is that going to screw up what they were doing?" And I was like, "Probably not." Uh, I thought that for a moment, and, and then I was like, nah, he's too good of a running back." I was like, "You know, you you, you kind of some of those plays that that maybe went to Bell for seven or eight yards, Marshawn yeah. I could get 30." So um, you you don't,
4: you don't necessarily believe a a great player is going to mess anything up for sure. Um, yeah, but I, I just, I know again, we all want to see, and I think you're probably, I mean, I'd imagine guys you're going to want to lean on the passing game more. So anyways, because Clemson's front seven is, is they're elite, you know, they're, they're elite for sure. Um, I I say, continue to use your playmakers on the outside. You know, I, I just, again, we all want to see that continued creativity, playing up tempo, playing loose, playing free, um, You know, uh, getting Dak Joyner involved, like like leave leave nothing in the chamber, man. Hey, this is this is final regular season game. It's for all the marbles per se, and like I said, you're playing with house money. I'm not saying you've, you know, I I don't want anybody to believe that you've arrived at seven wins or anything, but like you are playing with some house money. So, um, you know, I love the fact that Carolina approached that game against Tennessee. It's like, hey, we're a 23 point underdog who gives a damn let's go out and play let's go ball hey in this one we're a 14 and a half or whatever point who gives a damn let's just go play let's go ball let's get them on their heels let's get them you know because i, I would say guys there's more pressure on clemson than carolina for sure I, I mean they're the ones fighting for a playoff spot they're the ones you know protecting a, a home winning streak right i mean carolina's lost seven in a row i mean it, it, you're not gonna how much more can you hurt me like you know what i mean like <laughs> like what do we have to lose, boys? Let's go out and do something crazy and shock the world yet again and knock another team out the playoffs. You know what I mean? So, um, I'm excited for it, man. And I, I just, you know, you couldn't ask for a better scenario for Carolina. You know, I, I know again, Gamecock fans will say, "Oh God, we're gonna we're gonna follow up a big win with a." But I mean, dude, we we've got you couldn't. This team has got as much confidence as it could possibly have going in this football game. So, let's see what we do with it.
2: From the Nanosports chat box, uh, M A there asks where can he get a dope cap like you are wearing, Chris? <laughs> I, yeah, I think I think you I think yeah. you probably have an idea of where, where to get one.
4: Yeah, it's tsus dot tsus. We got a full Sucks collection, so it's a collection. <laughs> oh yeah, no, we do. We got we got t shirts, hoodies, hats, pullovers, long sleeve shorts, well, everything, everything you think of. All,
2: All right, right, so so the, the chat box is also are asking about a drop your nuts. T-shirt. Are there any plans on your end? I, I well,
4: you know, I you know, you know, I, I've seen some others drop it. Some, you know, I think Mike Yuba dropped one. I think I saw another one. So I, I don't okay. think we will I have been honestly, guys, and I want to say thank you to everybody tuned in. I have been packaging towels non-stop since Sunday. So wow. I haven't had I haven't had much time to come up for air. By the way, JC had I got you a little gift. I need to get this in the mail for you. Really <laughs> uh, That's awesome, you know, man. My, my, my piece is sitting right here, if you can see, right in the shoe there. <laughs> yeah, I uh, got to see it. And, and, yeah, so I, I think Yuva and those boys have got that covered. But we are gotcha. planning, We are planning. I believe, maybe even later today, we're collabing with somebody to drop a cool victory tee for the Tennessee game. We're going to be doing a Black Friday special for merchandise running through Friday and then – uh. When and if the Gamecocks beat Clemson, we will without a doubt have merchandise to go with it. So I, I can assure you, but uh, man, the, the Beamer Ball stuff to the freaking moon, dude, that's, that's kept me busy all week. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I appreciate yeah. everybody that's, that's shown love. But I, I'll say this too, just, just since we're kind of on the note of the Tennessee game, you know, guys, doing what we do, you consider and I've considered, you know, staying back and staying in studio and doing a pregame and a postgame show and not going to games in person. But I tell you that game on Saturday night and and being on the field, that just that remind it's just like there is nothing like it, man. that that was I'll remember that forever, you know what I mean that that was incredible and and uh, it's crazy because that was the signature win, right? That was the big win for Beamer, obviously. Until this mm-hmm. Saturday, if they get the W, that's right. Oh, yeah, like, get, get
1: another opportunity right, for one of those right, here right, coming up. Right. Yeah. and I and I and yeah. I
4: I will not be there in person. Obviously, we'll be throwing a watch party in Columbia with a Carolina House on Saturday. But my hope and my prayer for those Gamecocks going up there is that they get to storm that field, storm a field for the second consecutive week after we get yeah. the W. So. well,
2: they let you on the field up there after the game. Oh yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember in twenty twelve. A lot of Gamecocks were on that field. So the uh, watch party at Harbison, uh, mm. Harbison, Carolina, I, yeah, I, I was, uh, I found out the hard, hard way the one downtown had closed. I hadn't, it did. Uh, yeah. I went in for a meeting in Columbia in July and, uh, I was like, they were like, oh, where do you want to meet? I was like, hell, house in the Vista. <laughs> it's been closed for a year. I was yeah, like, yeah. They, they,
4: they just told me, man, when COVID hit, you know, obviously like every other business, they scaled back. Yeah. And believe it or not, they said the, the Vista location was sort of an underperformer and that, that's all she wrote for it. So I, it's shocking. I know. but
2: uh, I have some wonderful memories there. But anyway, yeah. all right, Chris. So uh, I'll be looking forward to joining you on the Spurs up show 15 minutes after the completion of inside the Gamecocks, the show and we'll talk over there, but uh, man, oh man, any final thoughts heading into this weekend?
4: <sighs> I'm excited. I, I've got a quiet confidence as I said over the summer guys. And again, I won't, I won't drop a prediction until Friday, but you know, I listed this as a toss-up game in the preseason. And I, I picked it as a win over the summer. And I just, you know, Clemson, they, they've got a lot of talent, right? You look at the star ratings, what have you. But the eye test and you watch them this year. And if that Carolina team that we just saw, if that team shows up, all bets are off. So Clem sucks. It'll be a lot of fun. JC and Phil, it's always a pleasure, and uh, I'll just leave it at that because again, I don't want to spoil anything else on Friday. But <laughs> mm-hmm. looking forward to chatting with you, JC at one fifteen, and Phil. I appreciate you, man, and hope y'all have a very happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, man. Appreciate y'all. Thanks, yes, Chris. Sir.
2: Thank you, right. Chris. Chris, Thanks Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. from the Spurs Up Show again. If you want the, the Clem Sucks collection, tsus dot store. The Spurs Up Show dot store. Uh, go check that out. It's very popular. Uh, those Beamer Ball towels are very, very popular. So, um, you know, that's kind of the thing. And Craig says his son has the Klim sucks hoodie.
1: Mm, nice. That may, I mean, I may, I,
2: may, I may use something like that for, I mean, may give the, The we call it the youngest one, the moose. May give the moose a Klim sucks hoodie for Christmas or something, you know, uh-huh. uh, support the cause there. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'm, I'm wearing, by the way, today. The South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Oh, you got your Jackrabbits
1: on, yeah. Jackrabbit
2: mm-hmm. swag on. You know, I was fired up about uh, about the Jackrabbits in the NCAA tournament, but uh, them in Colorado State let me down. Um, AJM two says a quiet confidence. Well, yeah, I mean, like he's just not out there bragging and predicting uh, a sixty two yeah. point win.
1: Yeah, he wasn't in here saying, oh, we're going to kill him, we're going to crush
2: him, and smash him. Yeah. And yeah, you're, you're right to a certain extent about Clemson not passing the eyeball test this year like they normally do. But I also know this about them. They know how to win. Uh, and I think when you have a program like, like that's gone to the level theirs has, you, you kind of get the breaks, you know. I'm not talking about officiating your calls that go in their favor and like that, but you, you, your, your players learn how to pull it out. You know, and, and I think they've got a great formula up there for winning. You know, doesn't necessarily always be—it's not always beautiful, but uh, like you know, they, they don't always light people up like they did when Lawrence was there during the pandemic. But they—they uh, they win. You know, they play defense, they run the football, they're—they're they're good on special teams. They've got a BT Potter's a hell of a kicker. And they're hard to beat. You know, that's the best way I would describe this year's Clemson team: hard to beat, not necessarily hard to compete with, but hard to beat. Uh, And and they 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 kind of try to drain the life out of you a little bit. So I think Carolina goes up there and throws caution to the wind. Uh, If I were them, that's what I'd do. You know, it's uh, the pressures on on Clemson. I mean, obviously in this game, but uh, then you go back to last year. Clemson did not pass the eye test all season. Until they got the, the Wake Forest game and the Carolina game, <laughs> and, and then they then they played Iowa State in the Cheez It Bowl and went right back to being kind of that team that kind of struggles and, and wins by seven at the end. So uh, that's the deal, and and that's kind of how I see them this year. They don't, you know, they don't always, you know, look great, but they they win. And if they get a lead on you too, it's hard to come back. On yeah, it's uh,
1: tough because that defense is just yeah they they take full advantage of points.
2: They they play with, with the lead. They play as good as anybody in the country, and uh, so that's a you can't get behind if you're the Gamecocks like you have in certain games uh, this season. So you know, no early turnovers, nothing. You know, if Carolina forces an early turnover, that could be a difference. If they block a punt, it could be a difference, that kind of thing. Um, Jared says crazy how we won Saturday against Tennessee. No true Beamer ball. Yeah. Uh, the special teams were clean, you know, and, and played well. But there were no fake punts. There were no uh, – they didn't need them. Hell, I mean, they didn't need
1: them. I, I, some, yeah, the one punt that we did, that was 55 yards. So, you yeah. know, it's still yeah, – Kai Kroger showing out. <laughs>
2: Kai Kroger, that's 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 uh, best punter in the – I remember people complained when Muschamp signed Kroger and Mitch Jeter – to scholarships, they're
1: scholarship like. players. They're yeah. like,
2: like, why are they signing scholarship kickers? I was like, trust me, dude. Kai Kroger is a, and he's from Chicago. He's from Lake Forest, Illinois. That's mm. where that's where Bears headquarters used to be. Bears, um, uh, and uh, you know, so he's from up there, kind of the North Shore, I guess. Um, and, and Muschamp signed it, and and uh, just wait, left foot, left footed kicker. And Will Muschamp nailed this. Uh left footed kicker. He's like, oh, Miss Jeter's got one of the strongest legs I've ever seen. And so uh it turns out those guys were worthy worthy, worthy scholarships, man, because they're very, very, very good. Um, Quantrell makes a point. Sam Hartman and Jordan Travis are maybe the only two quarterbacks Clemson has played that are quality. I like our chances with Rattler at least putting pressure on them down the field. But i put Mal- i put Malik Cunningham in that category too from Louisville, but uh um he only played for a half. And he was actually 10 for 13 against them before he got hurt and had to go out. Louisville played with its backup quarterback. The second half lost, of course, 31-16. That was a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, I uh I don't know, I'm trying to think of other quarterbacks Clemson's faced this year. But with the, the NC State quarterback wasn't hurt
1: yet, right? Devin No, what's that's his name? true. Yeah, he did play him, he Devin Leary. Devin Leary, Leary
2: yeah. Him. Uh, I guess he's supposed to be pretty good. I, I don't know. Uh, uh, they had not played anybody like Rattler when he's on. You know, uh, unfortunately, I think that means they know they have to put pressure on him. <laughs> so we'll see if they can, Carolina can counter. Uh, and one more one more thing from the chat box. J.C. says, he. Or, I'm sorry, Joey Sox says, I live in Lexington, Kentucky with U.K. fans all around me. Got to see the fallout. From the Vandy loss, all the crap I got the, from them before and excuses after, I had a smile on my face. I get a feeling you were laughing it up as well. Yeah, I kind of was, uh, and I got a friend on the Vandy coaching staff too. So once they got, I got past the terrifying Carolina game, uh, I sort of started pulling for them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, Herb Street thinks they're going to beat Tennessee this weekend. I don't, but uh, you know, that, that's the kind of thing. Um, All right, we got to get on. We got to get a break because we got big, big things coming up next hour. It's it's our mega Clemson preview. (laughs) Right here on Inside the Game Guys, the show. Last hour before Thanksgiving, last hour of the week coming up. You don't want to go anywhere. We'll be back after these messages. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go to person. Searfoss of Callwell Banker, Kane. Uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are, Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die. Our Gamecock fan has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy 864 414 5271 or email csearfoss at cbkane.com. C B C A I N E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Game Cox podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners. Uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Searfoss of Caldwell, Baker King.
0: Cox.
2: Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy?
0: Yes, he takes
1: forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests.
2: Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues. And I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. 1001 is Matt's contact number.
1: Yeah, man. I sure do that, or you can go to heritagedigital.com.
2: Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital 843 699 1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Game Cox, the show.
3: These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you?
2: Hey, folks, JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, Don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Guy pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana's Porch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, Take it away, Noah.
1: What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and Go Nanas. What's up? This is Johnny
4: and Bell with the Gamecocks, and you're now listening to Inside the Gamecock Show with JC and Phil. <laughs>
1: Traffic. Big sack for the Gamecocks. JJ Inikari. Walks it up, looking for K. Touchdown! Can you believe it?
0: And now it's time for some Gamecock football.
4: 25, 20, 15, 10, Rodgers scores! And
2: Dindy spins into the open, and he's on his way! It's a time game if they can kick the extra point. 20,
1: 15, 10, 5, Stanbord, the second of the day!
4: There's never been more excitement about South Carolina football than there is right now.
1: I've heard all the stories of the great George
4: Rogers. Out back in 1980, he made the whole nation holler. And I've seen that photograph of young Steve Tannehill up in old
2: Douglas Falls, signing his name on the field. Yeah, and I love the year 2001,
1: if it Williams Bryant's law. Oh, what else can I say? I'm just a big old car. Come from long cops just like me Who never stopped believing Welcome back to the show, everybody. Inside the Gamecocks, the Gamecocks, the show is brought to you by Express Sunrooms in Columbia. Give John Barber a call and get things lined up for next year to enjoy the bright, beautiful Carolina sunshine. And we are, of course, joined now by none other than Jamie Bradford and Michael Flynn for a Bradford Files and Wando's World mashup. Leading into the
3: big game. Gentlemen, how are we today?
5: Hey, we doing good. What's going on?
3: We're good, That's man. Doing well, man. Mm-hmm. We could have, uh, Mike, you and I should have just recorded everything we talked about from about midnight till 2 a.m. on Saturday. And that would have been enough for this segment, huh? Just It'd mail been, it, it in. man. <laughs> If they would have understood what we were saying, <laughs>
2: hey, I wish I I went to bed early. I rolled over at twelve. I got a missed call from Bradford at twelve thirteen. So, I'm sorry I missed that.
3: <laughs> well, that was me and my, Mike. Mike probably. I texted Mike. Uh, probably, I don't remember. It was probably in the third or fourth quarter, right, Michael? And all I texted him was his name. I just said Mike, and he texted me back. He said. Dude. (laughs) (laughs) And then about 30 minutes later, he texted me, said, are you going home tonight? And my response was – Hell no! I'm staying at the condo with you. So I walked right out man. of the south end zone, walked over and grabbed my vodka, and walked straight to Michael's house. And that's where <laughs> I stayed until Sunday morning.
2: Yeah, man. I don't, uh, I don't blame you uh, at all for that. <laughs>
3: no, no. Oh man, I-, I didn't even need to grab the vodka. I should have tapped into Big Bun's liquor cabinet, but I figured. Well, I'll I'll go get the vodka. So yeah, you
2: can't commit there. a party foul. So yeah, heck of a win um, uh, against Tennessee. Obviously, uh, you guys we we talked about it all week. Uh, one thing we talked about earlier uh, whether uh, the first hour was the approach uh, on offense. Um, I'm under the impression, you know, because you kind of think about because you attack different defenses different ways. Uh, I'm of the opinion, not under the impression, of the opinion. They just need to keep doing what they were doing. I mean, because that's kind of how teams that are successful against this Clemson defense play. Uh, I don't I don't think, like, if you're Oklahoma or a team that can run offense like that or that's capable of running offense like that, I don't think you gear it down. Uh, I think you just keep on rolling, um, you know, and, and kind of do exactly, you know, uh, within the game plan, exactly the style uh, that you did against Tennessee.
5: I mean, hey, I'm I'm with you, JC. When you look at what we did, there's not a lot of what we did offensively on film per se, with how we operated. Um, with a lot of what we did. We I mean we stretch you look at what we did. We stretched the field laterally, we stretched it, or we stretched it vertically, we stretched it horizontally. I mean, some of the route concepts are things that we haven't haven't seen much of. Um Rattler taking his drop and letting the ball go, not overcomplicating things. Um we did some play action, but it was you know it was a lot of you know from 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 the shotgun and you know the way we were able to run the football have a joiner in there a lot of jet sweep type opportunities um you know i think a lot of that helped uh open up the running game a little bit i think we you know we threw a lot um i don't know if we'll be able to necessarily do that against clemson um just i mean with, with the success that we have but if that can carry over that would be you know something that i think would be a huge feather in the cap but um You know what we did i think with with the personnel that we had in the game um utilizing joiner a lot more getting him the ball more um getting the ball out of rattler's hands quick you know i would love to see almost like a spray chart of of where of where these passes were um down the field because i think we utilized a lot more of that middle of the field area that 10 to 20 yard uh area than we have in the past so um you know I i love what we did i think We've said all along, once you can once you get Spencer comfortable, look at what he can do. Oh, and I think you finally saw what he's capable of when you can get the ball out of his hands quickly, get it to his playmakers and get him comfortable. I had seen him step up in the pocket like that all year. And he stepped up and he slid one way or another. And if he could get the ball out, he did. If he needed to run, he did He'd pick up, you know, pick up a first down. Go get us six or seven yards and, 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 and get us a you know, a second or third and short where the playbook is still wide open. So that's the, the greatest thing I think that came out of that game was you finally saw what Spencer Rattler's capable of, and you saw him finally get comfortable in the pocket, step up in the pocket and deliver just some really beautiful balls to the receivers. Uh, I mean, some of those throws couldn't have been any better. And, you know, he stepped up and, and, you know, in pressure, he stepped up into in pressure and delivered the ball and didn't throw it off his back foot. So I think fundamentally he, Look great, and if that can carry over to the Clemson game, I think it's just a, a, a huge confidence boost for for everyone on on that on that team.
3: Yeah, and JC, I, Mike, you and I were texting the other day about some of this, um, you know, because I know a lot of the conversation, and I understand it naturally immediately after the game. Um, was you know did, did Satterfield call the the plays? There's no way he called the plays. Is any other? Well, Mike and I've spoken. You know, I've got it on. Really good accord <laughs> that Marcus uh, Satterfield was absolutely a play caller in the game on Saturday, and he deserved it. W- what I'm getting at here, though, Mike, is you know, I went back and watched the the replay of the game uh, for two reasons. One, because that's what we do, except for Florida, and um, and then you know for other you know the the second reason was to uh, also kind of watch it unfold, like. Try to remind myself exactly what I saw and then be able to kind of slow it down, you know, like we do yeah. 11, 12 o'clock at night through two and three bottles of wine. Um, Mike, it, it was mentioned to me the other day, and not to hijack JC and Phil's show here, but I wanted to I wanted to get on the record about this because, you know, better than anybody that there, there was really only about 20 plays in the bag that they went into the game with. And generally when they unfold this thing throughout the week, you got a got a play chart about 100 plays or so, which is a lot. And of course, that doesn't mean play callers are all the time are picking out a hundred plays to call in a game. It just means that's what they're going in there with. Well, this was really dumbed down on Saturday, and it just seemed to me we saw in the replay of the game. I saw a lot of the same play calls. Street even mentioned it a couple of times. We've oh, seen this. We just saw it two plays ago. It worked again. Very Steve Spurrier esque Mike. What did what would you see there? You know, with with how they set this thing up, it almost seemed like give me the plays that we don't have to substitute a bunch of personnel and that we're the most comfortable running and that we can be the most successful with what what, would you
5: see? Yeah, I think we saw tempo. We saw rhythm. We were, we, we saw the plays get in not at, you know, 10 to 15 seconds, but at you know, 25 seconds, you know, we, we had the play calls early. And I think, you know, we say dumb it down and, you know, with 20 plays, I think, you know, of those 20 plays, you can run them out of, you know, all these different formations. So things do change the way you get to, where you need to be, where the quarterback's drop matches up with the uh, with the receiver's route, um, a lot of that can change. So, you know, it does. It, you know, when people hear twenty plays, you're like, oh man, that's it. But it's 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 more. It's more than that. It's the concepts of what we do right. um, offensively. And I think the way we moved um, Nate Atkins around was 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 huge. But yeah, I mean, it 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 when you have a limited playbook, you don't have a whole lot of things to pick and choose from. And you sit there and overcomplicate things and you try to you try to overthink it. And like we said earlier in the year, you know, don't try to be smarter than that guy across the field from you. Do what you do really well on offense and be great at it. And that's a prime example of what we saw Saturday night is we knew what we were good at. We knew what Tennessee's defense was. We knew where we could fight, where the weaknesses were. We knew where we could potentially exploit those weaknesses, and we did it. And we did it all game long. And we did. You don't have to run a hundred different plays throughout the course of a game to do that. And it's keep it simple. You know, keep running the same things until they stop it. And I think you saw that with the carry on, Joyner. Um Early, and I think early with the carry on, I think Tennessee respected the pass more, which opened him up to run the football and have success running the football. And I think as the game went on, um, you know, they started to play a little tighter. But um, you know, things like that. And it was just do be what you, do what you're really good at, and be great at it. And I think that's exactly what we saw.
2: Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, Spencer Rattler said they didn't substitute as much. Or they had less personnel packages, uh, or, uh, you know, in terms of substituting full packages, um, and, and they went faster. And uh, I think that's kind of been an operational issue with this offense prior to that game is it, it just gets bogged down, and it, it's overly complex. Um, when you talk about uh, successful um, offensive coordinators that have coached in the NFL and in college that want to run a "quote unquote" pro style offense, uh, like Bill O'Brien at Alabama. Yeah, he, 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 you know, I got it on good authority from a good source. <clears throat> he did not run, but about twenty percent. He did not carry into a game, but about twenty percent of what he used to with the Texans. Sure, uh, and, and you see how that offense works. Well, it's the hey, same, Ra- same concepts. You know, Ralph
3: Friedgen told me that he, he, yeah. Bill O'Brien's like his son. He was like, he yeah. literally w- walks into a game with literally twenty a quarter of what. Would he yeah, in the NFL, but it's pretty yeah, You
2: just don't you don't have time to to, to really master that many plays, and and, and and your office can get bogged down with all the subbing and stuff like that. And with Clemson guys, okay, their defense, and we we've all watched a lot of Clemson football. We'll admit it, right? We all we all do. You ask any caught fan what what's the other team you watch the most? It's probably Clemson. Um, you know what they did with Venables and what they, they try to do now with, with Godwin or Goodwin or however you say it, uh, Wes, their, their coordinator, um, they like to get you deep into the, the, the play clock and then read what you're doing and, and change it at the last minute, right? That's kind of their thing. That, that's what Venables was great at. That's what they try to do now. Uh, I think by running a faster tempo and not getting deliberate and all that, uh, I think that kind of eliminates... That from their arsenal a little bit, Uh, it helps because they don't have time uh, to sub or to 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 call something different uh, or something like that. So I I think tempo will be important on Saturday.
3: Well, I I want to I want to follow that up with this, and 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 I want to ask Mike that Mike, we've said all year from, from all four of us here and pretty much everybody else that has a pulse and eyesight that. The, the Gamecocks have really good skill players. We've we've known that. I mean, I knew for the first series. Mike, you said it. The first game, the first series, and you you could see it of the season. The first step that Antoine Wells took, you're like, oh, he's the best receiver on the team. All you got to do is watch him take his first step off the line of scrimmage. How, how do how do y'all see? Because I think it's the, the front, the front four, the front seven for Clemson. That's trouble, and Carolina is going to have to figure out the personnel to stop that. I get it, but but if you're going to run tempo, guys. How about the, the matchup with the skill guys that the Gamecocks have, especially compared to the secondary of the Tigers? Yeah, I mean, I
5: think you, you, you look at what we were able to utilize um, on Saturday night was some quick game. You saw us get the ball out of Spencer's hand quickly, um, you know, and, and take some chances. He took his drops and he, and he got rid of the ball. And there was times when, when, when pressure was in his face and we were able to do that. I think Nate Atkins did a heck of a job out of the backfield blocking yeah. and 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 picking up some some different twists and stunts that, that Tennessee did um you know up front. I think one thing we do need to be careful of is is keeping too many guys in in pass protection and not having an outlet of those guys staying in pass protection but realizing there's not as many guys coming and get out as that as that as that you know as that dump off or that 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 relief valve. Yeah. Um in and, and that, in and that check down. So I think that's a lot of one thing we need to be, you know, cognizant of is when we get, you know, Lloyd back and Christian Smith, is being able to utilize those guys in the passing game. And, and we have to be really good up, 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 front. Clemson will do a lot. Clemson does a lot of pre-snap moving guys around, right. you know, showing seven guys right there on the line of scrimmage and then bringing three or four and then dropping the rest. And so, you know, we got to be very careful about not having enough guys to kind of put, stress and pressure on that back end of of Clemson's defense because, you know, then it can become a long game and a a, a long game for Spencer as well. So he's got to have that check down, and we got to be really careful about how we choose to protect um, but still utilizing what we did up front against Tennessee um, uh, in in that same fashion because Clemson does do a lot of pre-snap movement and not getting too caught up in that movement and just understanding what you're supposed to do based on, you know, the uh how many guys that, you know, Clemson decides to bring at to times.
3: So let me ask y'all, let me ask y'all this again. I'm hijacking JC and Phil's show here, but, 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 okay. but, let, me, yeah, but I mean, go. let me, let me ask, let me ask you this. I, and I saw it earlier. I think Craig said something in the, uh, in the chat line, and it is a good question, but I don't think that the answer is as complicated as, as most people will probably make it out to be. His question was, I'm afraid, or his comment was, I'm afraid. You know, when this is, which is just crazy to say, Marshawn Lloyd might be your best player on the football team. But I'm afraid when he comes back, it's going to change everything that they had done the other night. But I'm not. I'm not sure. Like, if you're really that comfortable with the role that Jaheim Bell is in, I don't really know that just change anything. They were still using two running backs the other night. Juju was coming in there. Jaheim was coming in there. Like, do you, do you see anything that really changes by adding you know your best player back into the offense and then? It's gonna be rainy all day on Friday up there and it's gonna be raining on Saturday. Field conditions, where does that play it?
2: I think I think to answer the Lloyd question, when we talked about this earlier. I I, I think you just, you know, number one. I don't think anything changes, does yeah, it? Yeah, it shouldn't. I mean, no, uh, yeah, if, 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 they, if they try to go back to the the I the, 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 the ground and pound methodical turtle offense, they're gonna get run out of the
5: get state. Their ass okay. I, I think, uh, I think the, you know. Yeah. I'll say I think the simple thing is. And it comes down to this. You saw what Jaheim Bell did out of the backfield. You saw what he did lined up tight with that first touchdown pass. I think that concept of what we did was great. I mean, we we went yeah. we went vertical with Antoine Wells, and we stretched, you know, horizontally with Jalen Brooks coming in and kind of that seal, I don't want to say crack block, but just a seal, just a simple seal where you got Jaheim Bell out of the, you know, we're still behind the line of scrimmage, but you got him the ball quick. How many times have we seen Marshawn Lloyd catch the ball out the backfield, make guys miss and go? go and I him. think that's the one thing – that you could kind of say what differentiates, but it doesn't. Because Marshawn Lloyd has done a good job blocking out of the backfield. I'm not going to say Bell hasn't, but he's done a good job running the ball. He's done a good job catching the ball out the backfield in the slot where, Mar, uh, where Marshawn Lloyd would have been. So I don't think it changes at all, and I think it's just as good, if not better, because you got a guy that can come back and tote the rock, but he can also catch the ball out the backfield and take it to the house, um, just like Jaheen Bell. Yeah, mm -hmm. go ahead. I was going to say
1: no, no. To your earlier point, JB, or you know, the the thought about the Clemson secondary versus the Carolina skilled wide receivers. I think Lloyd actually could open that up a little more for you because he's going to have to be accounted for. Uh, I mean, you know, you've got such a dynamic back back there, Um, and then like Michael just said, I mean, you know, he you know makes one cut, makes one
3: guy miss, and then he's to the house. (laughs) Hey, look, man. If if Rattler has found it. And if they have found what works for him, and he's locked in, and I saw that Sat said earlier today that they two or three days before the game, and he's the second or third person to say this. Like as the week progressed that week, they were watching Spencer going, "Holy smokes, he's on fire!" Um, if he has figured that out, and Clemson does bring bring pressure a lot, and they and they decide they're going to put their corners out there on islands with guys like Juice and 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 Jalen and or Jaheim or whoever whoever the hell is playing at wide receiver. I mean I two weeks ago I would have been like, oh sweet Jesus. Yeah. But 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 now if if you're really that sharp and you get juice one on one okay, fine. You know, it's the old Steve Spurger. Throw it to a spot, let him go get it. He'll go he'll go get it. Right, Mike?
5: No, I hundred percent agree. I mean, you look at any any sort of lineup that we have on the field where you tell me you have Juice Wells, Josh Van, Amarian yeah, yeah. Brown, and Jaheem Bell in there and it's like that's it that's a hell of a lineup right there or you got to carry on Joyner, or you got xavier Leggett, who's who can run and is a physical guy you know i mean we got the skill guys and you i think it was on full display saturday night of what our skill guys can do if you just simply get them the ball no i mean you look at what amari and brown did um with the ball in his hands juice wells or some of those catches that he made Jaheen bell um i mean just you know you look at how those guys play jalen brooks i mean you just get them the ball and let them let them do the work for you and it's just find ways to get them the football but you know without forcing it and throwing it 80 yards downfield. and I think that was exactly what we did just by I think just the simple concepts of allowing Spencer to get rid of the ball quickly take his drop the routes matched up and just you know get him comfortable I mean you know there was a there was there was a lot but I think you know in the grand scheme of what this game did I think when you see what happens when everybody around buys in and believes in what you can do, you, you see what happens and you start to have a little success. And you see how this team gelled and came together, um, you know, kind of what Beamer has preached all along, I think it's resonated with the fan base. I mean, you look at previous, you know, regimes and we come off a loss like Florida to the crowd that we had Saturday night. Yeah. A lot of times that doesn't happen with previous regimes. In the energy and atmosphere, I think the fans deserve a lot of credit um, for Saturday. And I think, you know, Shane Beamer stay in the course throughout the ups and downs of this season when people are, you know, well, all this rah-rah stuff, I don't know if it's going to work. But then you see kind of Shane Beamer has stayed the course and you see how it's resonated with the team, with the fans in that locker room where everybody believes. I don't think you see that without, without Shane Beamer at the helm.
2: Yeah, I mean Beamer yeah. didn't didn't let negativity creep in, and you mentioned the fans. You're right. I mean, Gamecock Nation has come back this year, and you know, even after some extremely disappointing outings, the fan base has bounced right back. I mean, you, you lost to Missouri. There's a huge crowd in Nashville for Vandy. Um, yeah, I know some people that went to Florida. <laughs> they were they were all through, but crowd back in in the stadium uh, for Tennessee, even though. It did not seem likely that the Gamecocks would, would hang in that game, much less win it by the margin they did. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I'll, I'll give the fan base credit, too. Sometimes I'm a little hard on the Gamecock fans or have been in previous years because it did seem like, you know, be it because of COVID or whatever, especially last year, the, the crowds just weren't all the way back. But, uh, boy, they're back now. And and williams Bryce at
5: night is approaching legendary status at this point. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think. Yeah, J.C., and I could tell you, though, you know, I think the way the offense and defense fed off each other in Good this doubt. game to where, you know, when it was 21-14 and, and they scored on that fourth down throw um, in the end zone, that, you know, that, that hooker threw a f- beautiful ball. That Cam Smith, I mean, it was either the receiver was catching it or, or, or nobody was catching it. The way the offense came out on that 21 – when it was twenty-one 14 Tennessee's got some momentum. You could kind of hear rumblings of, oh, well, here here it's It's starting. And then the way the offense responded going back down the field and scoring a touchdown, just I think that was a huge turning point in the game. Um, you know, in in that the energy that just you know that that happened because we could have come out punted, Tennessee goes down and scores, and it's just everybody's just starting to feel deflated. And yeah. I think another another key point in that game was um the, the Cam Smith um play on third down where the running back came out the backfield Cam smith actually came off of his man yep. to make one heck of a play that wasn't really his responsibility and i think if Cam smith doesn't make that play in tennessee either scores or gets down close to the one or two yard line they go for it and potentially score a touchdown and that's kind of another play right there that i think you know really was a turning point in the game but just the way the offense and defense fed off each other was unbelievable but i tell you going into the clemson game the one thing that I'll be looking at, you know, in looking back at this game is, you know, we were we responded, but you know, I see how we react when everything is going well. When everything is going well, you're you're having success, you're making plays, you see how 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 the, how the team reacts, the offense and defense feeding off each other. Now what happens when you you know what happens when things get tough? How do you react when things get tough on the road and you know, seeing how this team reacts there? Because Clemson. There, there's going to be some, I think, some ebbs and flows in this game. There's going to be some ups and downs. Um, you know, there, there could be potential turnovers, but how does this team react to those types of situations coming off of this kind of game? You know, how do they react to adversity compared to re- really having no, facing no adversity at all? And that's the big thing I look for in this Clemson game is, you know, how do we face that adversity and react to that adversity as a unit, as an offense, as a defense, as special teams um, in a hostile environment?
3: Well, I'd, I'd like to add, I think I know the answer to that, and I'm currently working on an investor to create these T-shirts, good T-shirts, not just the cotton ones. Just drop your nuts. <laughs> uh, everybody's been requesting that. We, uh,
1: drop just just got to go out there and drop your
3: nuts. <laughs> you just drop your nuts. <laughs>
2: just drop your nuts.
3: <laughs> no. No, I, hey, look, to your point, Mike, all right, so I, I've already talked to Michael about this. JC, when did you think – Okay, they're gonna win the game. What what moment was it for you?
1: Halftime,
2: actually.
3: Uh wow. Phil, uh, what about you? Uh the
1: drive after the punt. Yeah, when yep. we got back to scoring touchdowns, I was like, we're gonna win this damn
3: game. I'll tell you what it was <laughs> for me. I'll tell you the play. Carolina's up forty two to thirty one. Uh if you punt it, Tennessee scores. You you're back to a four point game, if not a if not a three point game if they go for two. Third and twenty. When, oh when they, wow! When he, yeah, when he completed yeah. the third and twenty. I, I looked. I looked at my buddy. And I said, "Ian, might just be our night, man." Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and it sure as hell was. It was. It was, I, it was, it was their night.
2: Yeah, I, I, the reason I said halftime, I'm not trying to like think of a Nostradamus or anything, but I, I just kind of looked at Tennessee's defense, and and I was like, they're not stopping South Carolina, and you know, they are a big momentum team. You know, their defense kind of – like like you mentioned, Mike, the, the defense and offense playing off of each other, complementary football. Uh, when I've watched them this year, the better their offenses were going up and down the field scored, and then the defense kind of feeds off of that. They play really well with the lead. Um, at the one game they got behind in Georgia, they did not handle that well. Uh, and then the pit game was close. Uh Florida was a close game and a close win for them, but it was the Gators were down 17 and they came back and you know cut it to five at the end. Uh so when I I kind of just watching Tennessee this year, I was like, they've not faced adversity like this. You know, mm-hmm. uh even the Bama game, uh, they got up big. Bama comes back, takes the lead, and then they came. But South Carolina, you know, kind of took control momentum-wise, and to beat a momentum team, you know, that's one way to do it. You just out-momentum them. You, you <laughs> uh a punch I, your I back. Think, Yeah, and, and I think Clemson's a momentum team in a different way. I, you know, we've like, watched a lot of Clemson football. How many times are you sitting there, they're kind of in a sloppy back-and-forth game against whoever's on their schedule, and then the other team throws a pick six, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, they force a punt, and then they get a big punt return, and the next thing you know, they're throwing a touchdown, and then the next thing you know, it's 20, 21-7. And then yeah. they, and they're tough to come back on, you know, when, when that kind of thing happens. So I, I think momentum is going to be important on both sides of the ball Saturday. And we're going to get into the defense a little bit uh, after these, uh, and compared to the, you know, matching up with the Clemson offense uh, for the last 30 minutes. It's kind of sad going away this week early for Thanksgiving. And uh, put this up by Craig. He says, I want to wish all you guys a happy Thanksgiving. It's been good to get to know all you guys on here at the JC, Phil, JB, and Mike. Thank you, Craig Kriger. Crager's Kriger. one of the Kriger. number one – he's one of our number one fans here.
3: <laughs> Crazy a so, good uh, one. And, and so somebody, somebody had a re-
2: – Somebody had a request for Goldwater and then says he's probably a dog and duck.
3: More than likely. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's and, not far from there. You can get find him. Yeah. dog and duck. <laughs> Sounds delicious. All
2: right. We'll be back after these messages to wrap things up here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show presented by Express Sunrooms of Columbia after these messages.
0: Gamecocks.
2: Attention Attention, golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing,
3: How can I help you?
2: Hey, folks, JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh Don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. com. Go there. Food truck, catering, whatever you need. uh Take it away, Noah.
1: What's up, Gamecock fans? This is pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasporch.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas.
2: Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy?
1: Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests.
2: Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. 1001 is Matt's contact number.
1: Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com.
2: Man, I hear they do a no cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843 699 1001, or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show.
4: This is Braylon Wimmer, South Carolina Gamecock Baseball, and you are listening to. Inside the Gamecocks, the show with JC and Phil. Go, Cox!
1: And till Welcome back to Inside the Game Cox, the show, everybody. The show is brought to you by Express Sunrooms in Columbia. And the second hour of the show, as always, is brought to you by the Burgesson team at Remax at the Lake. Give Adam or Derek a call or shoot him an email at Burgesson. That's, that's A B E R G E S O N at remax.net.
3: That's a friend of mine on the bumper there,
1: Eric Church. Yeah. <laughs> my, my
3: friend. We were just hanging hanging out at his place in North Carolina. This is hanging hanging with with, with Big E up there. I think think Mike was supposed to be there for that, but he no-showed. That used to be his MO. Oh, yeah, I'll be right there. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody heard from Mike? Oh, man. Um, (laughs) I did it, too, a bunch. Uh, It's all right. Yeah, we're trying to get everything
2: in today. Like, uh, Phil's computer decided it wanted to update this morning. So, we had to start it from his phone, and – so we didn't get the, the big uh, game day intro in at the beginning. So we got it at the beginning of the second hour. Then Just just now,
3: run this thing uh, till now, two o'clock. To, what the hell y'all are in a hurry for? <laughs> yeah, what do we do? Uh,
2: I've, I've got a honeydew list a mile long to get ready for Thanksgiving. Oh, so um,
3: You're not even married yet, man. Oh, I know. You've really screwed up. And he won't good. be if he doesn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, that's gotta, right. Yeah, that's a contention of Make, make, make sure <laughs> I stay in the good graces. By the way. Uh, we, uh, well, I can't speak for Mike. He might feel differently, but had a blast with your brother on Saturday. Cam. Yeah. What a great guy, man. What a great guy. And his buddies were really cool. Even the Tennessee guy was a super guy. And yeah, bad for him after the game, but um, (laughs) great, great, great dude. Great. Yeah. yeah. Sorry for
1: (laughs) my brother,
2: Cameron. Uh, I actually Carolina rise. He co-owns that with me and, uh, Big GameCop fan doesn't always get to go to games, but uh, got some tickets, and uh, Mike and JB were awesome enough to let him hang out, you know.
3: That's Mike. No, the Flint family pays The Flint family. I just go over there and hang out. Yeah, Man, we had a blast. Cool. I once yeah. I once asked Michael if I could stay at the condo for two weeks, and four months later, I was still there. Ever since then, I'm not really. Jeez,
2: <laughs> 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 ah, jeez. Yeah,
3: I'm, I'm. actually. Uh,
2: the misses and I are are thinking about looking into buying one over there at Stadium Village. Yeah. Law. So that'd be, we'd all we'd all be neighbors. Yeah. Be be
3: neighborly. <laughs> Michael, aren't there one or two for sale? I think there's a couple. Yeah, I, I looked some up.
2: Yeah, the price isn't all that bad either, but I'm, I'm kind of looking. Uh We're kind of looking into it. It'd be a nice little home home base back in South Carolina.
3: Hey, before we switch to defense, can I can I just – I got to say this again. This is the third time okay. this week I've said it publicly. I got to say this again. I, I And I have been doing my research just to make sure I'm backing up my claim for this, but this is just my feel. Saturday night was the single greatest performance in the history of Gamecock football by a quarterback. Never seen anything like it. Uh, at least in my 30-plus years of watching Carolina football, I've never, ever, ever, ever seen anything like what Spencer Rattler did. No, it so, felt like it watching
1: it, too. It was like, this is like mean, a very name, special
3: name night. Yeah. <laughs> they one better. Game was better in a game like that. I mean, Gar- Garcia's was great, but it, sorry, Stephen, it was not that.
1: No, you know, yeah, you put up a performance that you would expect from you know an FCS opponent.
3: Yeah, <laughs> against the number five team in the nation. Yeah. You know what? I, and I meant to mention this to y'all too. I don't. A lot of people keep asking the question of how does the atmosphere compare to this and that and yada yada. And there's 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 quite a few that always come to mind for me in my t- tenure. We don't need to get into that because we'll take up the, the final twenty minutes of the show with it. But I will say this: I my comparison for the game and how it all unfolded, the atmosphere, which was, again, fantastic, and then kind of like what was on the line. Although the comparing game was much sooner or earlier in the season, I compared it to 2000 Georgia when they picked Quincy Carter five times. Because going into that game, Carolina had ended the 21 game with losing streak. They beat New Mexico State in week one. We were all there. We watched everybody rush the field. And then here come the Mighty Dogs, you know, ranked ninth in the country, And, um, you know, they were a team that year that was kind of a whisper for a national championship. Of course, they hadn't won one at that point in time, 20 years. And so – and then you had Quincy Carter, who was a leading Heisman candidate coming into the season and then coming into that game. And then they picked him five times. Dennis Quinn, I know, got two of them. And and it all fell apart from there, and they rushed the field again. And it just really reminded me of that night because nobody, nobody felt like they had a chance going into that Georgia game in 2000. And nobody felt like they had a chance going into the Tennessee game here in 2022. Um, outcomes the same, but for different reasons—defense versus offense. But but it just felt really similar to that night 22 years ago.
2: That's such a great comparison. What's the stuff they make? Uh, uh the sorority chicks make with the the fruit and the the the, the
3: Everclear and all that. They put it in. Oh. The- what do they call it? Uh Tub juice or uh, Jim PJ? PJ, that's PJ. it. PJ. PJ. Yeah,
2: yeah. PJ. So, uh, Uh-oh. ex-wife was a, a, a DZ and uh, I just met her. <laughs> Actually, just, I met her the week before uh, <laughs> <Here you go.
3: laughs>
2: that New Mexico state game was kind of a, a moment in my life because i met my, my my wife at the time and all that. Um, so they were there, Delta Zeta. And so we tailgated with them. And they made a big thing of PJ. And uh, of course I couldn't, I, I could not drink any kind of green alcohol like that. Now I die. But, uh, <laughs> but I had a quite a few of those. And, uh, and I, I met my future father-in-law, Tom, who I talked about earlier in the show uh, mm-hmm. for the first time there, I got a cigarette in my hand. I'm six sheets to the wind,
3: <laughs> um, you
2: know, and I'm like, Hey, sir, how are you doing? Hey, did? And he told the story at my wedding. It's like, at that moment, I knew he'd be my future son in law. Uh, yes. he got up and said that. I was like, Man, I was, I was, heavy. I was so bad off that day because <laughs> it was like 99 degrees, big game, everybody's mm-hmm. hot. I didn't even go out afterward to celebrate. I went home and went to bed literally, <laughs> literally because of that tasty, delicious, uh, stuff you put in the daggum. PJ, PJ, uh, that's it. PJ said, so, whoo, geez, God
3: bless. America. I'll never, Mike, were you up there for that game? That was you, you were. You were, were you on work, You were, you were still at Wando. No, then, you, were right? yeah, senior. Heist, yeah. you were senior at Wando.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No,
3: but that, that was 2000. You were that senior,
2: 2000 man. year was fun. That was a fun, fun start. And a buddy, me and a buddy of mine actually went to the Alabama game. They lost that year and, uh, in Tuscaloosa and we went to the Outback Bowl. I mean, that was just a really fun year, uh, I thought. But yeah, you're right. Cause it was, you know, it's just like one of those things where it was unexpected, but there was just some kind of, I guess the, the team believed, and uh, I think that's yeah. what's important, you know, uh, in a game, and that can make a difference. And hopefully, hopefully, they believe this weekend uh, yeah. because that's tough. Uh, it, it, it and like I said earlier, guys, I think it's tough to get up week after week, for especially after a game like that, where you're the talk talk of college football. But I think that's life as a South Carolina Gamecock football player, or a, or or the South Carolina Gamecocks program. I mean, you 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 you've got Clemson every year. You're in the SEC. You're not going to get a lot of breaks. I mean, you're going to have to get up week after week after week. That's just life in this league and life with a rival that's at the level Clemson's at right now.
3: Have we ever – I don't think we have. Have we ever beaten consecutive top ten teams? Maybe. Let me think. No. MJ!
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, represent MJ, yeah, man. what's up? Well, they, they, they had oh, a man. shot. See, they had a shot in 2012, but they hey, lost MJ, LSU.
3: Tell them the story about when Garcia threw the football and hit you in the head. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, it's about uh, family here on uh, it's yeah, that's the show. I <laughs> that um,
3: broke his nose, Mike, you threw that off yeah. the top deck of your condo. I just, um.
2: I don't know. You know, I, I, I'm trying I to mean, think consecutive top ten teams and wins. Yeah, um, it's kind of I mean, hard for me to.
3: It happened. It happened under Spurrier, I would assume, or back in the 80s. Because I, I, I know
2: 80s. they've been consecutive ranked teams. Like back in 01, they beat Georgia and Mississippi State back to back. Shoot, I just can't. I can't remember. I can't yeah. remember uh, <laughs> uh, if they have beaten consecutive top ten teams or not. I'm sure I'm missing something, though. I'm just trying. trying to replay the schedule. Uh, in my head there, but yeah, I think um you know, well, you, and- you, go, you go shoot your shot. Yeah, they had a shot in 2019 as well because they and they beat Florida. Georgia, but they lost to Florida at home. Florida game, yeah. So that was that was the last opportunity yep. I think they've had to do
3: this. Holding and false start. Nah, don't worry about it. Let
2: him go. Yeah, it's like, uh, oh, yeah, that was that was one of the worst. Co- that that rivaled the Dondrio Pinkins' phantom safety at Ole Miss in 03.
3: Dude, Florida, where that was the Florida you know, game in 2018 and 2019, Bent will must over, and you know what I'm saying. I mean, yeah,
2: those two were know. excruciating. I think he used the word excruciating after the loss at the swamp. Uh, so that was the deal there. Well, defensively, man, you know, Clemson, they kind of are what they are. Uh, they have good players. Uh, I think, you know, their receiving core is not elite, but it's good enough. Antonio Williams is a heck of a player, they've got uh, Collins, they've got uh, uh, you know the other Adam Randall. They got some tight ends. They throw to their backs. Uh, I think Will Shipley is the straw that stirs the drink, and they also run DJ quite a bit this year. So you got a little Arkansas uh, in there with a the bigger plus size quarterback running. Of course, Hooker's a pretty big uh, guy at quarterback as well. Uh, how do you think South Carolina's defense needs to attack
5: uh, the Tigers? T- you know, JC, I'll tell you, I, I was I was so impressed with with our secondary. Um, very impressed with how Clayton White called that game. The chances and the shots that he took, the, that's what we had to do to win the game. And I'd say our secondary back there deserves a lot of credit, um, deserves a whole lot of credit by the way they played. I think, you know, that last drive of the second half, guys were worn out. That was probably the majority of where a lot of Cam Smith's, uh, you know, catches uh, came from. But I tell you the way that those guys stepped up in the secondary with playing a lot of man coverage was impressive. And I think what Clayton White did, I really like seeing him get creative up front with dropping some ends, uh, you know, dropping some of the defensive ends and getting them in those passing lanes. You know, we were real close. I think you we were in between Gilbert Edmund Jordan Birch, you know, by, you know, getting some balls, tipping some balls, and just getting creative up front with different stunts and and twists. But I tell you, one of the one of the most impressive things was The way that we really rushed, we were very controlled in in, in what we did. Um, With what these big play offenses can do that like to throw the ball and sling it around all over the park and go really fast, they gas you with the run because up front you're so tired and you can see our guys up front like that. You just kind of – you don't fire off the ball. You're just kind of there trying to stop the run if it comes. Um, But our guys did a really good job stopping the run. And that's where that's where you know Tennessee and Clemson can really gash you is when you're playing a lot of man like that, um, you know. You're, they're slinging it all over the field. They're starting to have some, starting to get some momentum, starting to make some plays. You get, you know, eight, eight 10 plays in, they just gash you with the run. And I think that was very important in what we were able to do against Tennessee on Saturday night was stop the run per se, you know, and not give up those big gash uh, chunk plays um, specifically on you know second long, third and long. Um, it was huge. And so I think doing that against Clemson, I think continuing along that same path is playing a lot of that man-to-man coverage um, with what we did, that that cover one. I think Peyton Williams, the, the that kid deserves a ton of freaking credit. Coming into a game like that, Yeah, knowing you're going to play a lot of man coverage and being able to step up and play the way he did, I think, you know, just looking at this holistically, but you see what Coach Beamer is able to do from a recruiting standpoint. In the past, you know, we get somebody back there and it's like, lights out i mean it's you know it's over they're going to exploit that guy and it's done but you see the depth that we have across the board you know may not be a linebacker it's a building but in the in the secondary the depth that we have with the quality of player back there it's a true next man up mentality but i think as far as with the, going into clemson i think we do a lot of that of the same stuff i think clayton white sees how good those guys are we got to be able to to man up and create confusion. Um, With DJ, I think we were able to collapse the pocket fairly well um, and kind of make Hooker a little bit uneasy or a little on edge to where he couldn't get to that second or third read. Uh, I think that was big, uh, you know. But, you know, being controlled up front, not pinning your ears back and flying upfield, I think we did a really good job doing that. And I think we do a lot of the same going into the Clemson game because I think the way we performed against Tennessee really gave Coach White a ton of confidence and even more confidence that we had in those, in those guys in the secondary to do a lot of that kind of stuff and be able to take those chances. Uh, Cause if you can play man to man pretty well, you can do a lot up front.
3: Yeah, I agree. I, I I'll i add just a couple quick things here. I think that there's a, a few guys on this team defensively that are now getting towards the end. They've been around here a long time. Zach Pickens, Sherrod Green, Brad Johnson, uh, you know those guys in particular always have been um, have been you know really good player or pretty good players. Zach Pickens has been really good, yeah. uh, and I think they picked their game up. Shaw Green had a great game the other night when he went down. I was like, oh no! And then of course he came back in there. Um, and um, but I'll I'll add this to a little bit off top- topic from what Mike was saying. Gamecocks have uh, you know led by Cam Smith have a have some fiery guys on that side of the football uh tennessee the other night was was really trying to bait them into a lot of stuff you're gonna need to be careful with that on saturday uh up there at clemson this is a rivalry game officials always go into a rivalry game rivalry game understanding that there's going to be a lot lot of jawing back and forth they're going to be looking for it uh you don't you don't want to be the second guy this week You, you keep your mouth shut keep your head down and get to work and uh you can drop a swearinger hit if you're up a couple of touchdowns or something like that but They're going to be looking for that stuff, so Carolina's got to be careful there because penalties are going to hurt them on that end much worse than they'll hurt Clemson.
5: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think you got to avoid penalties, turnovers, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, You know, like I said, Clemson's a momentum team, and and a lot of times they establish momentum based on mistakes of their opponent. Um, You know, Notre Dame beat them because Notre Dame didn't make many mistakes. Clemson made the mistakes. Notre Dame blocked a punt early. They got turnovers. Uh, they didn't turn the ball over. Their game plan was pretty simple. They just lined up and ran it all over them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Notre Dame, I will say, has one of the best of ones in America. So I think that's kind of uh, what happened. And, you know, it was about 38 degrees and the wind was blowing 70 miles an hour. So uh, that's one of those games. But yeah, I, I think, uh, and, and AJM in the chat box brings this up that have a problem with discipline against Clemson in recent games um I agree I, I think that the, the getting gashed in the run game last year it seemed like the guys were out of their gaps a lot uh I think Clemson's offensive line obviously played pretty well but there were there were a lot of that was not a typical performance uh by the defense uh last season uh in Columbia and really going all the way back to like 2017 that defense kind of lost its mind a little bit in the clemson game
5: yeah, no, I'm with you, JC, and I think it's just like you know, like we said, being disciplined. And I think if we continue to play the way that we have, and I think the way Coach White has called game has called games and has learned a lot about the guys that he has, I think he's going to force you know force DJ to throw the football. Yeah, and like you said earlier, Will Shipley is kind of the the straw that stirs the drink. Um, you know, you got to be able to take away the run game, but you know, like we've said a lot of times this year, put them in very predictable down-and-distance situations, and I think you'll see what what DJ does. And, you know, if we could force a couple of turnovers, I think it changes the course of the game early um, and making those guys be more one-dimensional. But, you know, I think what we did, we've done on the outside, but we've had the talent in the secondary to be able to man up and kind of put those guys on, you know, proverbial island out there. That We've had a lot of success against Clemson, and I think this is a team that you saw on Saturday night have some of, uh, you know, a lot of we had that those, those five in a row, the quality of players we have in the secondary. We could do a lot of what we did back then, you know, on Saturday, I believe. And I think that puts us in a good position. But, you know, forcing them to be one-dimensional and making DJ have to step back and make decisions and throw in the football, I think, could help us have a lot of success. Absolutely.
3: So that, weather, weather, guys. Weather is going to be a factor in the game Saturday. There's going to be a lot of rain. Cool. Beamer, right. Beamer that, the other day, Beamer said it. Their their method with Tennessee. Not everybody thinks he meant just offense. He didn't. He meant it everywhere. Attack, 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 attack. If you can attack him and, and make him make decisions, especially in weather. He's he's gonna make a mistake. Or yeah,
2: and, and I think they probably they're gonna come after Spencer Rattler pretty good. And I think with South Carolina's receivers, uh, you know, Spurrier used to say this, and uh, and I think it's true. Wet weather affects the defense more than the offense especially in the secondary because the receivers know where they're going yeah defensive backs do not so if somebody's going to slip uh, he would make the point that it's usually the dbs he said what would ground his offense weather was wind because of the balls and the yep. accuracy and all that um so that, that i thought that was pretty interesting i i uh you know a wet field who knows what will happen up there i mean <laughs> that's uh you throw that in there. All right, any final predictions? Uh, I'll go start with you, JB. Uh, you want to give yeah,
3: I, I just think the first quarter is going to be crucial once again. Generally, if Carolina's leading or tied at, at, after uh, the first quarter, they win. If they're behind, they're generally behind big and they lose. So, I mean, I think the first 15 minutes on Saturday night is going to tell you a lot about the trajectory of the football game, not saying that that'll mean you need to necessarily turn the TV off if it's not going well. Uh, but generally, that's kind of how it unfolds, and I just hope that they can kind of continue to f- feel themselves, if that makes sense. Like they're 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 pretty confident right now, and I think Spencer Rattler got all the throws in the other night that he needed to get in to realize, damn, I can still do this. Is about as good as anybody in college football can. Man, and I'm serious. There's a reason why everybody wanted him. He can make every throw out there, uh, and so you know if he if he's still feeling that good. You know that's going to be able to overcome a couple of things Clemson's probably going to do defensively, um, so we'll kind of see on that on that end. But um, it kind of goes back to what we've been saying all year. You know, stop the run or slow it as much as you can. At least be able to sh- run the football, and you got a pretty good chance to win at South Carolina. Um, we'll see what happens. But uh, I know this: it's good to have a chance in this ball game and and get to eight wins, and we'll see where they go from there: Jacksonville or Orlando
5: yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, you know, I think you're gonna learn a lot about this team early, and I think adversity, how do, how they handle adversity um, early in this game. you know, you look back at what Tennessee did from a special team standpoint, not kicking the ball to Xavier Legette. um, you know Tennessee focused a lot on special teams last week. and you can tell we really made them prepare for for all three phases of the game. And I think yeah. you look at preparation going into this week, you know, Clemson has a lot to prepare for, not only offensively, not only defensively but from a special team standpoint as well. So when you have a whole lot like that to prepare for, you don't have as much time to prepare for specific things. Um, And, you know, I think through the adversity, you know, I like South Carolina's chances. I think you see the camaraderie of this team, the fight in this team, the togetherness of this team. And I think it, you know, at the end of 60 Minutes on Saturday, I think you'll see, um, you know, I think the Gamecocks have finally turned the tide and I like South Carolina's chances in this one. And I think we score some points. I think we I think we come out with a W, and I think you learn a lot about this program. And this is kind of that game-changing, this is that moment for Shane Beamer. Um, and I really think this is it, coming off this game and continuing to build on the momentum, but learning how to learning how to deal with success, which is one, one, something we haven't been able to do around here in a little while. And I think Beamer is the guy for that. And I think this is that moment that you kind of see what Beamer's building.
2: All right, guys. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, man. This was epic. It was a great way to end. Yeah, it's been week. great. Happy Thanksgiving to both of you yeah. and your families, and uh,
3: all of you look, as well.
2: Hopefully, we're talking, uh, you know, about a, a win next week and uh, and all yeah. that good stuff. And uh, should be a, another great bunch of shows after the holiday. Thanks, yeah. guys. Yeah, hey,
3: should be a blessing. Thanksgiving, guys. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you, Mike. Saturday Night Live specials mm-hmm. at nine. It'll be over at eleven. I'll call you about 11.01. <laughs> Sounds good.
2: Go out. See you All <laughs> right. Jamie, Jamie Bradford, Michael Flint doing a, a double, a double uh guest today. Uh certainly appreciate it. And happy Thanksgiving, Kells.
1: See you happy, in there, Kel. What's up? And that's my sister, y'all.
2: Hey ha- <laughs> happy Thanksgiving to all you in the Nana Sports chat box and all of our listeners that listen um on podcast and everything else. Boy, we've had a huge audience this week. Uh you know, I, I said a while back, I was like, we're, you know, cause I'm the type I'll just keep Heck I'd do a show on Thanksgiving day. Uh, right. <laughs> once upon a time. But, uh, I said, when we started this, we, we have to take holiday breaks that make sense, you know, uh, just so people don't, you know, we're not sitting there on, you know, working one Christmas and the next Christmas you're like, well, where the hell's the show, you know? <laughs> uh, so we're going to sit to that schedule, but you know, wanted to end the week with uh, JB and Flint, uh, and all of you and, and certainly, uh, you know, folks, enjoy the time with your family. Uh, I started thinking the other day. This is my fourth Thanksgiving with Nat. I'm flies. Wow. You know. The, Lord there, man, you're right. Also, think about that, man. It's uh, only you know, and so enjoy the time with those you love. Uh, hug a Gamecock fan <laughs> this weekend. Uh, if you have Clemson family, just don't say anything. Just, just, just talk later. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> right. I, I wouldn't even acknowledge them. you know, this time around and just kind of see where your team uh, is at when they go up there on Saturday. For Phil Malnax, J.C. Sherbert, again, wishing all of you a happy Thanksgiving. This has been Inside the Gamecast, the show. We'll talk to you Monday, and hopefully it's Victory Monday 4.0.